Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Titletown Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at AllDayPackers, and I'm joined, as always, by Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we are back on another Tuesday talking about another Packers win, their sixth in a row, this time over the Washington football team, 24-14. to But that almost seems inconsequential uh, today because we're recording this on Monday and it's been a very eventful day. We started, we wake up this morning and we hear that uh, Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, tests positive for COVID. He's likely out on Thursday. That's bad already as it is knowing the state of our defense. And then the day goes on. And what do you know? Devontae Adams, of all of all guys, gets placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. He's likely out on Thursday night, which is just it's just the worst thing we want to hear other than Rogers having COVID Devonte is the worst possible guy to not be able to go on Thursday night against an seven and oh undefeated Arizona Cardinals team. Braun, how are you after a very eventful day? Well, in terms of the game, that was a great football game for us to, to go out and win. But now victory Mondays are usually a lot sweeter than this. I'll tell you that because not only did we lose our defensive coordinator, which was a blow already. I mean, to me, I was thinking, well, I mean, that's an issue, certainly, because Joe Barry's the guy who knows exactly what that system calls for in certain situations. Uh, he's the guy who, you know, he's calling the plays. Jerry Gray likely going to be the guy who calls plays, given that he has some experience um, in this department already. But it's just not the same as having your DC out there calling him. So I thought that was going to be a big issue. But then, of course, like you mentioned, Griff, of course, it's it's Devante of all people, right? I mean, our best weapon, the guy we rely on more than anybody in the entire squad um, to catch passes from Aaron, right? Uh, just a, a bummer, really. And it sucks because, of course, it happens on this Thursday turnaround where it feels like this is the shortest. I've never been a part of a week that has gone this fast already because it's literally already Monday and tomorrow's Tuesday and then we have a game on Thursday it's like it's just so weird it feels so fast already because the injury report came out today and it's just like wow it's it's moving fast but um yeah truly a bummer to have Devonte not be there but we'll get into you know how we're gonna have to kind of overcome that so um, a lot to talk about, obviously. Yeah, it's it did not feel like a victory Monday today, certainly, because it felt like a big-time loser Monday. Uh, Devontae, he's still not ruled out completely. He needs to test positive on Tuesday and Wednesday in order to play on Thursday, which would mean this would have to be a false positive today on Monday. But by the time you're listening to this, you probably already know that he's not playing on Thursday. I mean, just unlikely that he's going to play. We're going to assume he's not playing. Uh, it's probably the worst thing that could have happened man it's where our, our backs are already against the wall it's a short week we're on the road road teams on thursday night games they just it's such a tough spot to be in when you lose an entire day of preparation because you have to travel and uh it's we're already so injured losing Devonte is probably the worst thing that could have happened and Aaron Rodgers, man, he's going to have to be perfect. He's going to have to be highly efficient, miss very few throws, which is kind of how he played against Washington, but he's going to need to do that again against a much better defense. Uh, MVS is actually expected to be activated off of injured reserve before Thursday's game, which is obviously such a huge boost, even even with Devontae. That's important to have MVS because the deep ball is just not a component in this offense when he's not there. So not having Devontae, MVS is going to have to step up, and the rest of the secondary weapons, they're all going to have to step up. Yeah, to not have MVS uh, these past few weeks has certainly left uh, a lot on the table for us in, in terms of not having that same deep speed that we've always loved uh, that he that he possesses uh, to kind of really open up the field, uh, in, especially in the middle for guys like Devontae and, and Randall Cobb in the slot. That's going to be crucial to what we're doing down the line. Um, but for this week, just to get him back, we'll certainly open things up in the middle a little bit more and, and we'll have a, an element of deep passing that we've been missing. Um, with him not being out there. It's going to be great to have him back, hopefully, and, and I'm looking forward to what he can bring to this team in terms of some of that deeper passing stuff that we haven't really seen like we saw so much last year. The 20-plus yard stuff was actually at its best last Sunday against Washington, which uh, it was pretty bad secondary, so it makes sense. But against everyone else in against Arizona this week again another good secondary it's going to be very difficult to get that stuff going especially without Marquez Valdez Scantling he's going to have to be more than just the deep ball guy though which he's had games where he's looked like he can he can be that complete receiver that number two receiver in all areas of the field but uh, this season he's been targeted eight times 20 plus yards only six times less than 20 yards so 
it's, he's going to have to play a much different style of ball than he's played in 2021. Granted, he's only played three games, but he hasn't played in four games, right? It's been, he's gone, yeah, four games without playing. He's going to have to start and settle into a role that he's not completely used to. He actually has zero drops in his first three games, the three games he's played this season. So it, <laughs> hopefully that continues because we all know how the drops affected him last year. We cannot, no room for that this 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 Thursday. I keep wanting to say this Sunday, but no, this Thursday, literally three days from when we're recording this, he's going to have to be that guy without Devontae. Yeah, I mean, the way that I, we saw the, the receivers, uh, pretty much everybody got involved. Tunyon even got his share uh, this week, so it's a it's a good uh, experience for these guys heading into next week when now Devontae won't be there, and Rodgers is going to have to do something that we've seen him do before without Devontae, which is really look for the open guy and, and not have, like, Devontae, we've talked about this many times, where Devontae is really, he's going to be the first option on, you know, 80 to 90% of plays, or at least Rodgers is going to look his way on those passing plays. Uh, he's always going to be the first option, right? So, when you, when you know that, um, Rodgers is going to lock into him a lot. And the way that teams cover him, it's difficult to get him the ball. So what Green Bay has been, been able to do with, without Devontae on the field is Rodgers kind of just searches for the open man, whoever that is, um, and tries to hit him as best as he can in rhythm. So that kind of thing, hopefully we'll see Rodgers go through his progressions and maybe we'll see a little bit more of a, a true spreading the ball around offense. Uh, that we have seen before with Devontae out. Well, in the six games without Devontae since Matt LaFleur got hired, we've, of course, won all six of them, 6-0, and and Rodgers has gone 70.3 completion percentage, 9.2 yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns, a pick, and a 125.2 passer rating. He's been electric without Devontae, and that's really where all the he forces it to Devontae crowd, that's where it all comes from, the fact that he's been so effective without Devontae Adams, and all of his worst games of the past three seasons have you know, been with Devontae on the field. But I do think there is an aspect of Rodgers just buying into the scheme more and Matt LaFleur calling his stuff more often without Devontae. Because with Devontae, obviously a lot of a lot of the first reads are going to be to Devontae. A lot of the offense is going to want to be designed around Devontae, and the defense knows this, so it's kind of easier for them to take that away. But in small sample sizes, when we have to go full LaFlorian offense for a game, it's, it works out really well a lot. And Rodgers is so good at just funneling the ball to the open guy, just playing within the scheme, handing it off, play action, the rollouts, all of it. He's so good at it. And we've got the role players who can who can make it work. So it's all hope is not lost without Devontae Adams. We know how good he is. We know how, how good he's been in his entire career in Green Bay. But all hope is not lost seeing the past these past games that we've been without Devontae. It, the offense really hasn't skipped a beat. And, and Griff, what did you think of Aaron Rodgers this past game? Obviously, he was super efficient. Um, against Washington, who has a good front, and he had to deal with a lot of pressure. Um, we talked about this a little bit in terms of the offensive line. We knew that they were going to rush four, and they did that very often in this game, Griff. They rushed four, and I felt like this was a chance for our offensive line to, to really just take advantage of the fact that they weren't going to send as much creative blitzes or pressures. They were going to rely on their four guys to get up and, and man up against our five, and you would think that our offensive line is going to be able to kind of handle that, but they did struggle very much in the first half protecting Aaron and the run game could not get going in the slightest. Um, Aaron Jones had a, I think he had a nine yard carry and that was probably the best of the day. Um, and the only decent yardage that we gained in the running game. So, you know, Rogers was pretty poised in there the whole way through. And when he got off schedule and had to escape the pocket, he did so, um, he he was really old school Rodgers at times. The way that touchdown to Deva, to Devonte was just amazing. Like that's some of the stuff we were seeing in his rookie, uh, you know, his rookie times in Green Bay, where he was just kind of getting into the offense and uh, playing with McCarthy, getting off schedule, hitting guys like Greg Jennings and Donald Driver, right? Like those were the kind of things we were seeing, and and we just saw that a little bit on Sunday against Washington. Uh, just a great connection there. And, and then he obviously got out of the pocket like he's been the past couple of weeks and ran for a few first downs. He's been doing that. So um, what did you think of his overall of his overall performance, um, especially the way he was able to be super accurate all over the field? I don't know if he falls down in his rookie year throwing, <laughs> throwing the That's touchdown to Devante. He literally, <laughs> it's so funny, man. He literally put his entire body into that throw. Uh, it, it used to be a little bit easier to make that throw for Rodgers, but he's, he's looked a lot more athletic. I think this season than he did last season. 
Uh, I mean, he just looks faster. He looks like he's more mobile. You know, last year, 2018, 2019, he kind of looked a lot slower, noticeably slower, wasn't taking off as much and wasn't as effective when he did take off. But this year, man, sometimes I'm like, is, is this video sped up? I, I genuinely, that touchdown last week against Chicago, I saw a replay of it somewhere on Instagram and I, was, I literally thought this video has to be sped up and it wasn't. The commentary all sounded smooth. I was like, wow, he's he's just moving quickly. But anyways, against Washington, yeah, he, he was very efficient. He had his lowest average depth of, depth of target of the entire season just six yards was his average depth of target and really that helped open up the deep stuff it really did it because so many times this season he's been forcing these deep balls and they haven't been accurate and they haven't even been open he's just throwing it just to see what can happen and the defense is just they're playing the deep ball because they're they know that he wants to throw it deep but uh he really took all the underneath stuff. He took what was open this game, and he had a 84.4 adjusted completion percentage. That takes out the throwaways and the hit his thrones and the batted balls. Uh, he 84.4%, and he was just very efficient, very effective. Three touchdowns, his first three touchdown games since week two, 270-something uh, yards. It was just all around the field, really did look like a vintage Rodgers game. And uh, we predicted that because this Washington defense really is not very good, especially in the back end. So it wasn't the toughest, the toughest test that Green Bay is going to have this season. But knowing uh, the circumstances that we've had on offense with the injured offensive line going up against such a good defensive line, I'll take that for sure. Ever since that that knee issue he had in 2018, and and even the year after that, his re- his recovery from the cleanup and all that stuff. Um, he, his knees just weren't the same and he wasn't as mobile and, and that's kind of come back ever since he, he's talked about the squatting that he's done in the off season and, and he does that pretty much weekly now. Uh, usually that's a Tuesday thing for him and, and he, the squatting has helped build his legs back and, you know, even stronger than they were before. He's kind of compensated for, for that, that injury uh, that he had to the knee in 2018. He's compensated for it by building muscle back stronger than he ever had it. Uh, so that's been great as he kind of goes through the aging process, building things in his body that are going to keep him young um, and playing well at, at elite level. So uh, that's one of the things. And and yeah, Griff, he's looked super fast this year. Uh, and we saw that one where he kind of dodged the sack and just kind of fell underneath. And, and I don't even know how you would describe the move that he made just to slip the, the, it was like a, he got jumped onto by who, I don't even remember who was rushing him, but he kind of jumped on him and he just slipped underneath and, and was able to escape and, and, and not only not take a sack, but I think gain positive yardage on the play. So uh, yeah, he definitely looks more mobile. Like he could do some of the stuff that he wasn't able to do in 2018. One of the reasons Mike McCarthy got fired was because all the stuff was relying on Rogers getting out, going off schedule. And with his knee injury, he just couldn't do that um, at the same level. And when that wasn't happening, obviously the offense wasn't successful. They had a bad season by Green Bay standards and everything fell apart. Now that he's able to do some of those things again, um, you know, it, it at least gives us the option to, if we have to go off schedule, I feel like Rodgers is starting to realize that he can do some of those things again. Yeah, the, just having that last option of the quarterback scramble, it, it adds something. It's not a whole lot, but it does add something. Like on that third third and 11, was it third and 14? I can't remember, but it was a third and long in the first half, and Rodgers just took off, ran like Speedy Gonzalez out there, and had the entire field in front of him. He's had that a lot this season, a lot of man coverage, and guys are guys have their back turned to him on the defense, and he can he's able to just take off. Off and run with it a couple of those times he's been tripped and it hasn't been called but uh sometimes he is going to take off and get that first down like on that third down we saw against Washington uh in the passing game he was very effective like I said he really only had one missed throw and it was it was the it was the defensive pass interference call which I don't I don't really know if that was a good call probably not but uh if his only bad throw of the game was was a, a net positive probably like a 20 25 yard gain uh, <laughs> got pretty lucky there and he was much better on the 20 plus yard stuff he was three of four with 74 71 yards and a touchdown no picks uh it's that's really a product of taking what's underneath and like you said we did not run the ball pretty much at all it was not effective at all we only ran it 13 times coming off of a game where we only dropped back 28 times against Chicago, Washington probably expected us to to run it a little bit more, especially with the success we had last week. But uh, it was it was a nice change of pace from Lafleur in the offense to just put it in Rogers' hands for the vast majority of the game. Especially, man, some people they just want us to run it 
even when it's not effective. Like handing it off to A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones and just having them run into a brick wall on every snap, or especially on first and second down, that's just bad offense, man. It puts us behind the sticks most of the time, or at least sets us up with third and longs. I, I, I don't get why so many people, especially on Twitter, are just clamoring for us to run the ball when it's there. Have you seen their defensive front, dude? It's not going to work. And we have so many injuries on the offensive line that it's just, I I would much rather just put it in Rogers hands and let LaFleur work, get the ball out of his hands quick. There's going to be guys open. It's that's a much better brand of offense than just handing it off on every, every down when it's just not working. And we are so mismatched in the trenches. You mentioned the pass interference. I mean, that was a pretty clear, he kind of just grabbed him with both hands. I mean, that was a pretty clear call to me, at least, but I didn't even think that throw was all that bad. I, I think the DB put himself in a position to get to a point where he could raise up and potentially pick it off by doing what he did to Devontae there. I, I mean, that was, I feel like Devontae was in, in range to catch that ball, if not for the DPI call. I didn't think that was a bad throw, maybe a tad underthrown. I, but other than that, I mean, I thought he was super efficient, accurate. You know, everything was on point throughout the whole day. Um, even like some of those, just the check down placement on some of those throws, it's just like, he puts the ball in a perfect spot to let guys like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, whoever's catching it out of the backfield. He just lets them go to work and it's so easy. And some of the throws he's taking hits and just like the zip on the ball is just perfect. Like he, he really had maybe one of his best, if not the best game of the year for him, um, on Sunday. And, and it showed, uh, through not only his production with the 274 yards, three touchdowns, but also the efficiency and the completion percentage. Uh, I think it was 77% he completed in the game. So, um, you know, everything is, is on point for him now, and he's back in his groove, playing at an MVP level. He's the reigning MVP. So, you know, we have to expect that from him uh, on Thursday, and I, I expect nothing less. If he plays like that, we're going to have a chance to win. And I, I like the ball being in his hands. I mean, especially in games like this, like I said, against a great defensive front. I've, I'm so confident with just putting the ball in Rodgers' hands and letting him work, especially when we got LaFleur with the headset who's calling plays and designing plays that just work so well and know what the defense is going to expect and kind of going off of that. Um, the run game just it did not have it. Some weeks they do, some weeks they don't. Aaron Jones is one of our he he can be one of our identities in games and he can be one of the ways that we win football games, but just sometimes it's just not there. And I respect LaFleur for not trying to force it too much with only thirteen rushes. <laughs> that is really low for a Shanahan style of offense. Thirteen rush attempts is insane. But A.J. Dillon put the ball on the ground twice. Nothing else was happening in the run game. Kylan Hill, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Once again, Kylan Hill is on there <laughs> for the opening series. What is he doing out there? How does he keep finding himself on the field? Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the run game, it was just not there. So I respect LaFleur for not for not sticking, trying to stick with it too much, which we've said the opposite at times where he gets away from it, and that's true also. But in games like this, you have to know when, what's going to work and what's not going to work. And when there's such an obvious weakness for the defense, I like the decision to uh, stick with the passing game. Yeah, the running game clearly just wasn't working, especially in the first half. I mean, it was it's it gets easier when you're up by a couple scores, and, and Green Bay obviously had that big lead um, later in the game. Uh, but the protection, man, it just was not there. Elton Jenkins was really the only one that was holding up pretty well. Um, Runyon did not play well. Newman continues to struggle. Like, it's just these guys aren't totally ready for these starting roles, but that they've been kind of thrust into them with the injuries. And Corey Lindsley's, obviously, his departure, things like that have kind of made it difficult. Um, and the, obviously, of course, you talk about the, the different starting fives that we've got out there every week. It's... Uh, it's tough when you're jumbling and, and things are just getting kind of out of sorts each week. But um, overall, the protection's been good this year, considering the circumstances. And once David comes back, hopefully Thursday, but I just I feel like it would be tough for this Packers doctors team to kind of put David out there without a real practice. I mean, hopefully he's getting the work necessary and can go Thursday. But I don't know if the if the the team will let him go out there but is there even a chance that he can play on thursday like what are the odds there because i haven't seen anyone talking about that i'm genuinely unsure he's i mean he could he could easily play like well technically he could play like yes he could easily come off the pup list and play but i mean when was the last time matt lafleur put a guy out there at this point where it's like he did he didn't practice like he practiced last week doing individual drills by himself 
and the, now we have a Thursday game, and they're not even going to practice as a team. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's just I don't know. It seems like unlikely, but maybe they maybe David wants to play badly. Like I don't know, and and they he says I feel good, I feel good, I'm ready. Like and maybe they throw him out there. Who knows? And the running game just wasn't there. Um, so that's a problem. I mean, we have to be able to run the football. We have to, uh, especially against a team like the Cardinals. Like their defense is very good, especially in the passing game. You know, they've got the great back end and their rush is great. Um, so we have to be able to run the ball. That's going to be key without Devontae Adams. And we haven't been able to do it as well this year. Hopefully, like I said, as we get healthier on the O-line, a little bit more consistency with the group that's out there, those things will start to come back and, and work for us. Um, MVS being a deep threat will help. And, and, and a lot of those things, you know, they'll fall into place, I think. But uh, this week is going to be one of the big ones. Uh, the running game's really got to get going. Aaron Jones. If he can do his thing, that's going to be half the battle for trying to compensate for the loss of Devontae Adams. And the other half is what MVS, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon are able to do in the passing game. So it's all going to kind of marry together, and hopefully we can compensate for that big loss that is 17. Yeah, this cannot be one of the games where we have 13 rushes and brick wallet on every single ter- every single carry. This cannot be one of those games. Uh, we're going to have to have way more success against the Cardinals than we did against the football team. But Alan Lazard, let's touch on him. We'll get more into the Cardinals game later. But Alan Lazard, he had a breakout game of the season. He had a season high in targets and receptions. Touchdown for the second week in a row. 60 yards passing or receiving, sorry. Uh, he just, he looked like, he looked like his 2020 self, the role player self that he was. He stepped up on that last drive before halftime. That was the Alan Lazard drive. <laughs> that was pretty strange. Uh, but he's just, you know, he's, he's what we've expected Alan Lazard to be. Not, not a great player, not expecting him to be a hall of famer, but he's so good in that, in, in the role he has in this offense as the second or third option. He's always been so reliable, I feel like, and he's always there for a big play when you need it. Uh, having him on the bench is like to not have him as like a number one or number two, even a number three, like he's just not that. And it's so okay that he's just, you know, coming in, playing his, uh, his role as a role player. And Rogers talks about that a lot. Being a role player just means knowing your role and executing it to a high level. And I feel like Alan Lazard does that so well because of what he does, not only in, in the blocking and running game that he's able to have such success, um, using his tight end like frame. Uh, against some of these other receivers and just making crucial blocks on big runs. And even in the passing game, he does the same thing. When the ball's not in his hands, he's making an impact everywhere on the field. But when he does get the ball in his hands, he's got great hands. I mean, he catches everything, right? He doesn't have many drops in his career, and he's always been pretty shorthanded. And now what he's doing, we saw it on Sunday. He's efficient, man. He he can really make plays, and when he gets dialed in and, and him and Rodgers, they have a great connection, and it's strong. Um, and he can have success, and when he gets down to the red zone, runs a good route. And that touchdown was so cool to see because, you know, it's Lazard and, and, and Devontae, I think, running, running a couple goes, and you've got Kabi there on the slot running an in. And it's not too fancy, but what he's able to do, Lazard, on that route is just kind of run a bit to the outside, and the corner's got inside leverage, and Rodgers throws it right away, right off the snap. He drops, and he just throws that ball. Like he knew it was going to be there and it was just perfect back shoulder type throw, but it's in the middle of the field. Like just, it was, it was weird, but that connection is so strong between those two that you just, they knew it was going to work. But as the viewer watching the TV copy, it's like, how did he know that he was just going to be open sitting there like that when the corner is pressing up right on him? Uh, it, it was just a great play. Um, and it shows you how strong that connection is, and we're going to need it on, on Thursday as well. Another example of Rogers saying that if he can see the back of the defender's helmet, then his guy's open. He just he throws it with full confidence when it's a guy like Lazard who he trusts, and you're right, we are going to need him to step up big time. Uh, real quick, what did you think of the uniforms? We haven't talked about that. I, I, I feel like... Everyone's kind of overrating them. I don't know. They're just kind of, they look like color rush uniforms, you know? Like, we never did a color rush. We did the white. We didn't do a solid color. And I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't like them that much. They look good, but I don't think they touched the traditional home jerseys. Yeah, I, I like them a lot, but I don't think we should, like, use them all the time. Like, people are saying we should change right. our uniforms to the green. And, I, I mean, like, that would be crazy. Yeah. People well, would people love, are saying. I, well, people are saying that we should wear it more than once a year, which uh, I, I do not agree with. Uh, maybe, maybe on Christmas, someone said we should wa- should have worn them on Christmas against the Browns, but that would have been nice. But I, I don't know. I just didn't, I don't, they weren't my thing. 
I liked them. Yeah, def- I definitely liked them. The yellow, the gold. I love that. Like with the green, the numbers. It's it's unique. It's nice. It's a it's a nice change of pace from the same uniforms we've been wearing for the last however many years. But I definitely wouldn't want to change them. Like people, like I said, people are saying that they want them to replace our home uniforms and stuff. It's like, well, the the home uniforms are so amazing and special. The only thing is, is that we see them every single, you know, every single home game. So it's not, it doesn't have that same uniqueness that we've seen from this, this new throwback now, but it's nice to have the throwbacks once a year and they come out and it looks great. And like, so it's good. It's good that we've got these new throwbacks, but I certainly wouldn't want to wear them every week. That takes away from the iconic home uniform that we wear now with the white numbers and the, the yellow, right. the gold, you know, the gold on the sleeve, everything. I, that's perfect. It, you know, it, the way the we Packers, have it is perfect. They're such a traditional organization. They're never going to change that uniform. <laughs> They've been wearing it for so long. They're never going to change it. They're especially to something so, so bold as the green with yellow numbers. Uh, it, it's like I'm pretty sure there's a there has to have been a team that that wore something pretty much exactly like this during the color rush era of Thursday night football. God help us all. Those those were some atrocious uniforms back then. But um, the, I don't know. I like the old. Th- they're not even calling these throwbacks. They're just calling them the classic uniforms. I don't know. Is that because they never really wore these exact jerseys? I don't know. They're just calling them the classic uniforms. Um, I I prefer the the blue ones that like the 2015 through 19 era jerseys with the yellow on top and the blue and then even before that with the brown helmets oh i I miss the brown helmets man those are nice jerseys with khaki pants khaki pants yeah i do love all i love all our jerseys like there's not really any that i just like don't like i i love all our jerseys so um i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy these classic jerseys that we've got now with the green and the gold numbers i'm gonna enjoy those as long as we have them and whatever comes next i'm gonna love them you know, it's just all, it's all good. There's no, there's nef- definitely no reason to hate on anything because it's the Packers uniform. So how could you hate on it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't hate them. I'm just, I think people are overrating them just a tad. The blue, I love the blue so much because it's, if someone you, someone who's not a Packers fan comes in the room and you got the Packers game on, their first thought is who the hell is playing right now? <laughs> who has the brown helmets with the blue jerseys and the yellow circle? Like it's just so it's just so cool that that's oh you didn't know yeah we used to wear blue the colors used to be blue and yellow it's such a cool story that it's like it's so old this organization that it's just cool to have have jerseys like that that are so different from our current ones but uh, these ones yeah I mean what more can I say uh, you ready to move on to the defense here Brown yeah all right so they looked good they had another really solid outing against a bad quarterback and a bad offense but there were a few players in particular who really shined including Rasul Douglas Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark who we'll touch on later but big picture here they gave up a lot of yards but they forced a bunch of turnovers uh, <laughs> quote unquote forced because one of them came after one of the stupidest plays I've ever seen from Taylor Heineke where he just sat down on the one yard line on third down that was hilarious the red zone defense finally steps up forcing four stops in the in a row in the red zone after giving up 16 straight this season uh some nice tendency breakers from the defense especially inside the 20 yard line yeah we we talked about it griff the red zone defense has to show up soon uh, after going 15 for 15 allowing touchdowns in the red zone uh which is just bizarre right like we've always been such a good red zone defense with mike Pettin, and it's been the total opposite with joe barry we talked about that last week but now in this in this game on Sunday we just completely changed the script and and everything was different. We had four opportunities to stop them and we got turnovers I think on three of them and we and Washington football went 0 for 4 in those opportunities. So obviously Green Bay uh did a good job to change that uh tendency that we've talked about. Um and that was big. I mean that changed the game. They had a lot of yards, but we just everything we did in the red zone, those turnovers they would go the length of the field, you know, obviously Bojo would put us in good position on most occasions, but they were going down into the, into the red zone every time, including, like you said, they were on the one yard line a couple times and the turnovers were just perfect for the, for the Packers to kind of not only do their thing on offense by getting them the ball back, but we only held them to 10 points, which is great. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can't complain about what they're doing when they're winning and they're only allowing you know, seven in the first half and then three points in the second half. It's like, it's hard to do in this league. Like you can't, you can't just expect defenses to go out and throw shutouts each and every week. So really impressive. I'm, I'm happy with the defense, the way it's playing, but 
this is the real test now going into Arizona on Thursday against that offense. So we're, I, I don't think we're going to be holding them to 10 points. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm impressed that they held Taylor Heineke to 10 points given how he was playing, but he did help us a little bit in a couple instances. And uh, they, the Packers have actually had a turnover in every game this season since week two. So that's been very nice. The turnover look has gone our way for sure. Turnovers were something that helped this team so much in 2019 when the offense wasn't quite there yet. Kind of went away this, uh, in 2020, but it looks to be back this season. Um, we're going to need a lot of that against Arizona because we're. I, I just – it's like we talked about it last week where the defense looks good for stretches and people think that we have a good defense and then some offense we run into and they just bring us back to reality. And I can just feel that coming on Thursday night because I have no confidence in this defense. Maybe I should, but I just do not. Uh, the players I want to highlight, Rasul Douglas, he's stepped in, had a real starting role in this game, and he played very well. Given he only covered Dax Milne and DeAndre Carter, the entire game he didn't touch Terry McLaurin but he only alert he only allowed four yards and had a pass breakup so that's something that we'd like to see with the state of our cornerback room right now yeah Douglas really did a good job you know I looking at the TV copy it's hard to tell how good a corner can play because a lot of times they're the best stuff they do is off the screen you know just just holding a guy and, and not letting him get the ball thrown his way is is part of that and you're not always watching that or able to watch that when you're watching the game on television. But um, the PFF grade came out and surprised me. He had, I think, what was it, like 88.9, Griff? Like, ridiculous PFF grade. And you he was go the back highest on the, the defense. Film. So Exactly, yeah. You go back and watch the film, and he played a, an elite game, just being able to – he had a couple breakups. Like, he, he really played a great game. Um, tackling was there. You know, that's the kind of thing that you don't expect to, from a guy like Rasul Douglas, but he did. And he did it at a high level. So um, that's part of it. I mean, it's it's Terry McLaurin and some of their other – they've got a couple receivers out. They're missing They're missing Cam Sims and they're missing Curtis Samuel. And, and they saw um, Diami Brown go down at one point. But they, they've got guys that were playing and they've got to, they've got to cover. And, and Douglas did a good job and Stokes did his thing, you know, matching up against a lot of the time McLaurin. Um, it's great to have those guys playing well because then the rest of our defense can operate um, at its full potential as well. Yes, uh, <laughs> again, I don't know how confident I am going into Thursday, but I will take it against the bad offenses that were able to lock them up for the most part with our injured cornerback room. Rashawn Gary, he's putting together a monster season. He had, he's had 17 pressures in the last two games. That is absurd. He's he's been so good these last two games against uh, pretty good offensive lines. Really, like they're not the worst offensive lines in the world this season. He has thirty five pressure. He has thirty five pressures, which is tied for fifth amongst the edge rushers. Uh, that's ahead of guys like Von Miller, Brian Burns, Chase Youngs, both of the Bosa brothers, Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones, T.J. Watt. Some of these guys. Some of these guys haven't played all seven games, but still, just the fact that he's in that conversation is pretty absurd. He only has four sacks on the season, but. Knowing how how random sacks are and how consistent pressures are, we can kind of expect his sack numbers to go up as the season goes on. And he's really looking like the player that the Packers drafted in 2019. Ten pressures on Sunday from Rashawn Gary was, I mean, crucial to what they were doing on defense. And then another guy who came in and played really well, the newest Green Bay Packer, Whitney Merciless. What a pickup uh, to be able to get a guy of his caliber, even though he's in the back uh, back nine of his career for sure, uh, to get a guy of Whitney Merciless's caliber who, you know, he's a former elite player, right? And he's still playing at a high level. Um, and now, you know, rejuvenated in Green Bay with a chance to win, uh, going from one and five to five and one at the time, now six and one. Uh, 31 snaps on Sunday in his first game and four pressures. I mean, he came out and he played pretty well, right? So that's, that's good news to have a guy like him uh, who could certainly kind of, like Rogers mentioned, he's motivated to kind of get back to the level of his prime. Um, and if, if Sunday was any indication, those four pressures, um, Rogers might be right about, you know, Whitney's chances to get back to that elite level. And, and Green Bay could certainly use that with the injuries they've had. And uh, of course, not having Z, Preston will be back, but to have the, the trio, you know, even just without Z for the time being, hopefully he'll come back eventually. But that trio of Gary, Preston, and uh, and merciless. That's certainly exciting. You know, that's that's a lot. That, that's going to be tough for defenses to stop. So, um, and if Z eventually comes back, you're talking about maybe the best four group, uh, four man group rushing the passer in the NFL. 
at the outside linebacker spot. And it, to me, that's what you're looking at. So um, you got to hope Z comes back at least for the playoffs, if not sooner. Uh, he had a back surgery, but I mean, man, it's it's already been what five weeks since he got the surgery. Six weeks. It, we're not even halfway to the season. You'd think he'd be able to come back at some point. I don't know if that's beyond the injury and it's some kind of dispute that he has with the front office, like like we heard rumblings of, but. Man, I would love to see him back with this defense, working hard and, and playing well with these other pass rushers. That would make a big difference. Him and Rashawn Gary and Preston. I'm sure Barry could figure out a way to get them all in the field at the same time. That, that would that would kind of take it to another level with Kenny Clark too. Who we'll, I'm going to talk about him in a minute. But Whitney Merciless, he's the kind of player that I don't know if Gutekun signs him in years past. He probably does, but it's. Rodgers unprompted talked about it twice in his press conference after the game. That's kind of the stuff that Rodgers has not really been given throughout his career, especially in the Ted Thompson era, rest in peace, but especially in the Ted Thompson era, there there was just a refusal to sign guys midseason that have had an, any kind of history of making an impact for a team. And Whitney Merciless is just an example of that kind of guy where we're so banged up at that position. It's such an important factor of being able to bring in these veterans, which every other team in the NFL does. It kind of brings us to another level and makes up for the amount of injuries that we've had at that position. And Jonathan Garvin, he hasn't looked too shabby either. Just thought I'd throw that in there. He's been pretty solid. But um, Kenny Clark. Garvin's looking good. Him. Garvin's good. Garvin's a decent player. I love him as the fourth or fifth guy, but I don't love him as the second edge rusher you know, right. when we were missing guys last week. Uh, and even as the guy who's rotating, playing half a play is, I don't love him there, but he's played well enough. You know, I'm pretty happy. Like you said, definitely deserves a mention because I'm pretty happy with how he's playing. And we saw what he did last week against the Bears getting, not I think, one and a half sacks. He, he wrapped up Justin Fields at one point, super fast. We, he was really fast coming out of college, um, uh, out of Florida. So uh, I do love, I love what he's doing for us as a role player as well. Yeah, he's nice, and he, he takes snaps away from Oren Burks, who was saw a lot of action at the edge. Oren Burks, he's a player, which, God, what what is Yikes. he ever going to be in the NFL? I'm <laughs> not not to bash on Oren Burks. Unemployed soon, but... probably sadly. <laughs> Man, poor Oren. He seems like a nice guy. Anyways, Kenny Clark. I want to talk about him because he's playing like an all pro still seven weeks in the season. He had seven more pressures on Sunday. He is absurd, man. He is just tearing up every team he plays against. He has 29 pressures on the season, which is second among interior defensive linemen, only behind the one and only Aaron Donald, of course. So I will definitely take that. I will take the number two because Aaron Donald is the guy that no one's ever going to touch. I will take number two and Kenny Clark. If he's not in the Pro Bowl this year, then then I don't know. What are we going to do? We're going to cancel the Pro Bowl. Oh, the Pro Bowl is garbage anyway. But I do want to talk about with Kenny, right? He he had that. There was this one play where Whitney had a spin move pressure and Kenny Clark beat two guys through the middle and everybody's pressuring Heineke and it forces a missed throw. And it was just like, wow. I mean, this this defensive front can really get pressure when they're all locked in and having Whitney added to the mix. Uh, he's an elite player, man. When he is on, he is on. Uh, he is just a, a spectacular rusher. Uh, to have him in the mix, plus with Jalen Smith. I thought he played pretty well. Uh, this is only his second game in Green Bay. He's got a lot of work to do. Middle linebacker is hard, Griff. You talk about it all the time. It's hard to play in this league, especially when you're coming in. Second game in the mix. Uh, I'm excited uh, for what he has in store as well. So these additions are going to be pretty crucial down the line. Uh, Jalen especially, I think, because he's going to be that number two guy in the middle. Uh, next to Devondre, who we'll also, I'm sure, get to with the elite level of play he's been playing with. So I, I'm just excited about this defense, what we have in store, the additions we've made. Um, I'm excited for the future of what we got in this defense now. Devondre Campbell, I think you captioned your post, is Devondre Campbell the best football player of all time? My answer is yes. I mean, it's pretty clear at this point. It was point, not right? a joke, people. It's not a joke. That is the, <laughs> That is truly the best football player I've ever seen. Uh, at least at that middle linebacker spot, that's for sure. He is just bawling out for Green Bay right now. Uh, the two forced fumbles. I mean, you're thinking, what more could this guy do in the middle of the field, right? And then he goes and forces two fumbles this week. I think it was he, – he did it two fumbles in like three or four plays. It was ridiculous. I mean, the one at the goal line where Heineke is going for the, the reach over, I mean, gosh, that is such an elite play. He's been phenomenal. You can't overstate it. And Rodgers, unprompted once again, this is like the third straight week where he's talked about Devondre. 
I can't believe this guy was on the market and, you know, not getting priority as a free agent. And it's crazy because he never played this well, but he's just doing different things than he was ever given the chance to do in those other systems of Atlanta and Arizona. What he's able to do here with this system, Joe Barry's middle linebacker based system, as he was the middle linebacker coach in, uh, in LA. And he's been that in other areas as well. That's what he's, he's done. He's just, this wouldn't have happened in Mike Pettin's system. This wouldn't have happened in Dom Caper's system. I mean, this is something that Joe Barry, you have to give him credit because Devondre has the the chance to really be the true man in the middle. He's calling those plays to, the, to his guys. It's just a perfect fit, and he's been spectacular. You can't overstate what he's doing. Yeah, the fact that Joe Barry immediately made him the day one starter in training camp and said, we're giving you every snap. He's on the field every single snap, and he's just so good, man. He is... I don't think I've ever seen a linebacker in Green Bay play like he does. He hasn't missed a tackle since week two. He wraps everybody up. Whenever a, a, a running back's breaking loose, as soon as I see 5-9 on the screen, I'm like, okay, play's over because he's tackling him right then and there. He's forced two fumbles. The one on the sneak was unreal. He's got the hands. They look like they look like baseball gloves, the way he's just able to smack the ball out of Heineke's hands. He is, he is so good and he talked about being able to be the guy and someone handing him the reins and just having him be the number one guy on defense, calling the plays and everything. He's he's always known he was a good player, and now he's getting to show it, and he's playing at a career-high level right now. Hopefully he can keep it up, and there's no signs of him slowing down. Yeah, he's played at this level now for this is the seven weeks he's he's been in Green Bay. I thought he played well in New Orleans too. I mean, like, he's he was, been, he was one of the true, you know, nice spots in that game, and then – uh, the one play that he allowed this year was that touchdown to Hawkinson where he was in coverage and he was all over it and people were freaking out like like he was oh, another linebacker that we why we've got this guy playing in the middle and not investing in the position I'll never know and I was like well wait a minute he was right there in coverage that is one of the better tight ends in the game he's super fast super physical and Devondre was right there he had his back turned like I thought it was a good I thought it was pretty good coverage right and I believe in this guy from the beginning and guys were just like not people just didn't see that he had that talent and elite level play. And I just saw it. And like, you can tell, and he just got better and better. And now he's, he's played like the best linebacker in football. PFF will tell you he's the highest graded linebacker in the game. There's a reason. So he's that, that's who he is right now. And, and he's going to keep playing that way unless something drastic happens but obviously we don't see that i mean we do have to take our victory lap ron we are contract contractually obligated to <laughs> just repeat that we were in on this guy from week one i think it was week one where you texted me campbell looks good and i was like yeah he looks really good and then ever since then he's just taken off and he's been probably the mvp of this defense props to us and not only that not even probably like you would i, I guess it would be kenny clark or rashawn but I mean, yeah, no, it's Campbell. Campbell's the MVP of this defense and one of the MVPs of this team because he's revolutionized what we're doing in the middle of the field that we haven't seen in Green Bay in such a long time. And yes, we both saw it from the beginning. And it's you would think some of these people, especially these these guys that are claimed to be journalists for the Packers and are verified on Twitter and are supposed to be covering this team, you'd think that they'd be able to notice what good middle linebacker play looks like, especially having not seen it much in Green Bay over the years. But uh, yeah, we've got it now, and it's great that we were able to kind of see that right away. And and people were bailing on him after one game, and he played well in the game, right? So it was great to see him kind of follow through and keep playing at that level. Are we ready to talk about this Cardinals game, Brown? No, <laughs> I'm not ready for the game. Can we push it back to Sunday? I would love this to be a Sunday game. I'd feel a little bit that better. That would be great. This is the most excited I've been for a game, in all honesty, and in, in a pretty long time. Like I'm honestly. Obviously, Devontae having COVID sucks, but it's like it takes a lot of weight off my shoulders, dude. Knowing that we have an excuse in the back pocket, it's like, okay, all the pressure is on the Cardinals now, man. It's all on them. That's true. We're fine. Yeah, plus, plus, we haven't talked much about Joe Barry not being there. We talked a little bit about it, but that is a real thing. Like, that is not having your defensive play caller. That's a real issue, right? So. Not that, not that we're. I feel like we can still go out and win this football game, even without Devontae. I was like, man, that sucks. But you know, we could still win this game. And I said it. You know, this lineup, we can win with Kabi, Laz, and MVS as our three. That's a. I, I, we can win with that. We've won with worse, and we've lost with worse, but we've definitely won with worse. 
You know what I mean? Just that we've talked about that other Cardinals game. We know that one where he was throwing to Jeff Janis and Jared Aberderis, and we took the Cardinals, yeah, a great Cardinals team, to overtime and almost won that game. All we I'm need just is Aaron Rodgers. All we need is Aaron Rodgers, number 12. That's all we he, need, and let the rest he, fall into place. His leading receivers in that game were Jeff Janis, Jared Aberderis, and Richard Rodgers. I mean, in that Cardinals team, say what you will about the 2021 Cardinals, but the 2015 Cardinals, they were something else. Carson Palmer was playing at an MVP level. And uh, we've seen Rodgers do it before with these awful supporting casts, and this this supporting cast is not awful. We've seen him go 6-0 and with pretty much this exact supporting cast plus Randall Cobb. So... You know, not all hope is lost, honestly. And if we lose him, man, hey, we didn't have Devontae. We didn't have Devontae. Um, uh, I'll tell you what, Bron. The Cardinals last night, literally last night, were favored by three and a half points. Today, I checked, they're favored by six. Oh, my God. No one has any faith in us. All the pressure is on the Cardinals. Imagine we go into Arizona on the road on a short week with everyone out, and we win, dude. Imagine. Are we the best team in the league? We might be. I feel like this puts us at the top of the NFC conversation. If we if we can go in and without Devontae, without our defensive coordinator, who else whoever else we're missing, I'm sure it'll be many. Uh, you know, whether it's not having David, we're missing Josh Myers, not having Z, not having Ja. Uh MVS should be back, but whoever else is I we've got guys missing, right? So so we have that excuse, right? Like, but we're not. I don't think we're gonna need it. I still think we're gonna go out and win that football game. And I feel really confident. Like, usually I'm not this confident in like big games like this. I didn't think we were gonna win in San Francisco at all. I did not think we were gonna win. And then we came out and played our best game of the year and won that game. I feel like we can do something similar. I'm th- that that game made me more confident in what this game is. Uh, so I feel good. I like our chances. I, I always love our chances with a Rod at the helm. Um, yeah, this team to me, the only thing, and we'll get into like what, what, what Kyler is going to be able to do, but, uh, I just don't love, I just don't think he's an, like an amazing thrower of the football. The only thing that he's able to do really well, which makes him a great quarterback is that he gets out of the pocket so fast and runs around like a running back. I mean, those are the kind of things that make it difficult for, you know, he can make most of those throws because he gets off the. He gets off the spot. Uh, he really gets off the spot at his own intention, and, and he's able to really just do whatever he wants at that point. But in terms of if we can just kind of keep him in the pocket, make him a pocket passer in some level of, of way, I feel like we've got a chance because he can make mistakes. He certainly does and has this season. It's not like he's this super, super elite quarterback. Like I think he's good. He's like a Lamar Jackson type where he's going to do most of his damage in what he does with his feet. Um if we can neutralize that a little bit, make him throw it, uh, I feel like we're going to be in a better position. Um, but it's going to be tough, that defense. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury said this week that while he had COVID, all he did was study the Packers. And that was a little bit disconcerting because we're now missing our defensive coordinator. So it feels like they might already have the leg up on us from what he's going to be able to do against that defense. But we'll see. I, I, f- I feel good about this game, and I, and I like our chances. Hey, man, he was prepping for Joe Barry. Joe Barry's not going to be in there. Maybe that's how we win this one. He's he's prepared for the Joe Barry defense, and what do you know? He's going to get the Jerry Gray defense, which is probably the same thing. <laughs> Remarkably <laughs> similar, yeah. There's going to be zero <laughs> difference. Uh, this this game does feel a lot like how we felt going into week three. Remember that podcast going into week three? We just talked about it. There's no way they're going to win this game. There's no way they can win this game. Uh, it feels like that, but worse. But also, that game made me way more confident about this team and AR-12, knowing that he can just put the team on his back like he did week three in that two-minute drill. Granted, there's no Devontae this week, which kind of sucks, but he's still got Rodgers, man, one of the GOATs. He's the GOAT. We need him. And he's going to – I said – I've said it before, and I'll say it again. In games without Devontae, he's got to go superhero. But in the same vein, he kind of just has to get down to the basics of the simple football. A lot of the stuff that him and Devontae do is superhuman, superhero stuff. But now this is more of him kind of having to be the distributor again. He's going to be the point guard. This isn't this – you know, he's not just dishing to Devontae over and over again. It's going to be he's going to have to really spread the ball around, find the open guy go through his progressions. This is going to be something where Rodgers can thrive in, and we've seen him do this. That Saints game uh, last year where he didn't have Devontae, we all thought we were going to lose because the Saints are so good and we don't have Devontae. And then Alan Lazard goes out and has over 100 yards, and he had two touchdowns in that game. I mean, that's the kind of thing that we were looking for. 
and now it doesn't have to be that way either because we've got a little bit more options, I think, than we did at that game last year. Uh, Cobby's in the mix now in the slot, and that certainly helps. Lazard had a good game this past week. Tanyan hasn't been as good, and, and the Arizona Cardinals are doing great work covering tight ends with some of their guys in the middle of the field. That's going to be tougher, but you know we talked about MVS's return as well. So, And Aaron Jones out of the backfield, A.J. Dillon running the ball, and also catching it out of the backfield. We're going to have options. It's not definitely, like you said, it, all hope is not lost. So um, on offense, as long as we have Aaron, we'll be fine. It's just we have to do with our thing. We have to do our thing on defense, which is, you know, it's going to have to be stop Kyler, uh, make sure somebody can cover DeAndre Hopkins, um, and just stop their running game, which has actually been good this year. Looking at this Cardinals defense, man, they just got solid players everywhere. Everywhere. They have solid players and great players. Robert Alford, he's having a career resurgence in Arizona. He's allowing a reception percentage of 58.1. Byron Murphy looks like a solid young player. He's he's allowing a 57.6 reception percentage and a passer rating of 60. Buda Baker is one of the best weapons in any secondary. Zavid Collins looks like one of the league's best rookies at inside linebacker. J.J. Watt, he's having a career resurgence. Where did this come from? He's looking like his 2011 self. Chandler Jones is probably returning. There is just so many players up and down this defense. It's going to be so difficult for the Packers to win, but they've just got to stay committed to the scheme, man. And th- this the one place that the Cardinals are susceptible is in the run game. The Vikings, they average seven yards per attempt. The Jaguars average 6.1, Rams average 5.8, and the 49ers average 6.3. It's going to be difficult to run with such an injured O-line, but both the AJs, man, they're going to have to put the team on their back like they, they've done for most of this season and just power through it and get these yards above expectation, which they've done so well. And the in the Cardinals, like I said, they are very susceptible in the run game. They've given up a lot of yards on the ground this season, and that's really where we're gonna have to we're gonna have to shine on offense. And then the play action off of that, and Rodgers is gonna have to be just so efficient. I don't think the formula is all that difficult, like you mentioned. This is a game where we've got to run the ball. We have ran the ball this year, but not in every game. Last game was an example of that's a great defensive front. We we weren't able to run the ball as well. This is a different situation. Their pass rush, very good. But the interior and some of the middle linebackers, they, they the middle linebackers they have are built to cover the passing game. Buda Baker as well. He's like their their safeties are dynamic, but they do a lot of that stuff that most of their success comes against the pass. The key to this game is gonna be running the football. I think AJ Dillon's gonna have to have a big rebound game because it's gonna be, you know, I think they have to get equal touches as usual. Jones is going to do his thing, but Dylan's going to provide that change of pace. Both are going to need to put out a big game. Um, I think it's going to start with the running game. Now, this is a game where you want to establish the run early, and then Rodgers goes to work off the play action, and hopefully he has some success um, in that regard, including deep balls to MVS now, which is a definite option. Randall Cobb in the middle. Lazard will do his thing as well. I'm excited for what we've got now because MVS provides that change of pace with his speed. And then this running game is going to have a chance to get on track and get us out in front early, establish the run, and then that everything will play off of that. I think that should be the game plan. It's not going to be difficult to go out there and put that together, but the execution is going to be key. Yeah, the execution is going to have to be like the most on point it's been this season, and we're going to have to not waste any possessions. We're going to go utilize all four downs on every drive, uh, which Matt is so good at already. We're going to have to because the Arizona offense is way more scary than the Arizona defense, and the Arizona defense is pretty damn good. So without King or Preston Smith, which could be likely, uh, I, I, I literally do not think there's any way that we're going to be able to stop them with the cornerbacks that we have and the weapons that they have. A.J. Green, what's with what's with all these career resurgences in Arizona? They're taking these old washed-up guys. And Zach Ertz, oh my God, it just it goes on and on. And they're just turning them into superstars once again. A.J. Green looks like a like an all-pro once again. They got DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, and Christian Kirk, who's one of the best deep threats in football. Kyler Murray, I mean, you say what you want about him as a passer, but he hasn't been that bad this season. He's only thrown four turnover-worthy plays. He has five picks, but only four turnover-worthy plays. He's been very efficient with the football, one of the best throwers in the league this season. And on the ground, what are we going to do? We saw Heineke running around. What are we going to do to defend Kyler Murray? I do not know. We just have to like assume Matt LaFleur 
has to assume that the that the Cardinals are going to score on every single possession and be ready to combat that with offense because the best defense is a good offense. And not having Joe Barry just – there's really no hope for the defense in this game. We're going to have to get some turnovers because this is the weirdest stat that I found. Bron, they've fumbled 13 times this season. You know how many of those they've lost? One. Uh, what – hopefully – the variants can swing in the other direction on Thursday night because we're going to need to steal some possessions in order to really win this football game because I do not know what this defense is going to be able to do to stop them. Well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of information right back at you as well. Number one, Kyler Murray, he has a good portion of those fumbles. I think he has five. That's just off the top of my head because I was reading that the other day, but he fumbles the ball quite a bit because when he gets out to run it, he carries it with one hand like, like LaShawn McCoy used to do. I think that's where, I mean, we've got guys that are looking to create turnovers and, and we saw how many fumbles we forced in this past game. Um, the weather wasn't an issue or anything, obviously. That's that's a good sign to see Devondre and then other guys forcing turnovers. That's great, right? Um, so I think that's going to be something where if we can't get to Kyler and he gets past the line of scrimmage and he starts running, Devondre, whoever's, you know, whoever's spying him, whether we have, there's going to be a lot of different, uh, I think if we're going to run a lot of man, there's always going to be some guy roaming in the middle, um, not even just as a spy, but whether we've got a thief, a robber, uh, somebody in there, you know what I mean? Like to, to just kind of watch the middle of the field and, and not only look for that those routes that are coming in, but also watch Kyler. Um, I think a lot of that stuff is going to go on when we're running man. Um, and then, you know, you get what you emphasize, right, Griff? And I, th- I think they're pretty clearly going to be focused and honed in on Kyler running around. Uh, so hopefully that kind of leads to the Cardinals, you know, attacking that, uh, that idea by Green Bay by having him kind of sit in the pocket and try to pick us apart, which I feel like that'll fare, fare better for us than having Kyler run around on us. Like we saw Taylor Heineke when he got out, he ran all over us. I think he had, he either had over a hundred yards or really close to it. And that's like you said, Taylor Heineke. So Kyler could have a career day if we do anything similar. Uh, that we did this past Sunday. Right, and the the most success we've had containing the quarterback run game is against Kyle Shanahan and Matt Nagy, who just refused to run with their rookie mobile quarterbacks, which was the biggest head-scratcher in both of those games, but there's no doubt that Kyler is going to utilize his wheels. And looking at the pass protection, it's been good, but not great. Uh, DJ Humphreys at tackle has given up 13 pressures and Josh Jones at guard has given up 16. So there's definitely room for Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark to take over this game and hopefully Preston Smith on the opposite side. Uh, it's important to keep Kyler in the pocket because you don't want to rush him out of the pocket. It's like vintage Rogers. You don't want to get him out of the pocket because he can make even more plays outside, but we got to contain him. That's where Preston will be so important to have keeping him in the pocket and then just being able to get home with Kenny. And it's, it's, he's so different from other quarterbacks where you don't want to just move him off his spot. Cause that's where he makes most of his plays. You kind of want to keep him in the pocket. And that's one of the hardest things to do. Uh, it's such a difficult spot to be in for the Packers. Um, uh, this defense, that's that's where they're going to have to make their money is with good pass rush. You know, play good coverage at for the first three seconds, two seconds even, and just hope that the that the pass rush is able to get home because that's one of their weaknesses on offense for sure. Yeah, I don't think their offensive line is is anything special, like you said, and you talked about it. We've got a great pass rush, and if these guys can get home, if we can control what we have in the middle of the field, obviously Devondre manning all that down. Um, the back end is going to be the issue, right? And, and whatever Kyler does running the football, um, Kenny will do his thing on the inside. Like, I feel like we've got a lot of secure areas, even more so than last year, um, because of what Devondre brings. It makes everybody feel a lot more secure in their roles and their responsibilities. The back end is going to be the thing where that's, you know, Devondre, that's past his purview, right? So he's not going to be able to control what goes on. But we've got Amos, the veteran. We've got Savage, who's looked like a he's looked like a, a legit player in this league this year at times. And then there's other times where he's, you know, a bit out of place, but last game he had a great game. You know, he, I felt like he was really putting hits down and, and getting in, involved in the running game. So I thought he, he's been playing better and better as he gets closer to the line of scrimmage, which we've talked about ad nauseum over the years, but he's playing well. It's going to be the corners, right? Stokes, you know, I think he's going to continue to do his thing. He's just a player, right? Like he's just going to go out and he's, you know, whoever he's playing with, he's going to get his, he's going to have his moments and, and he's going to get his success in there, uh, breaking up passes and whatever. Right. So that's, that's the good thing. Rasul Douglas is going to have to come out and play like he played last week. 
We're going to have to see contributions from hopefully a returning Kevin King. That's going to be big too, because we're going to need all those guys. And Shannon Sullivan, I feel like has quietly played really well these past few games. And that's going to be crucial to see him play well against. It's going to be tough. Christian Kirk in the slot. That's a tough matchup. And when he goes to the outside, it's a tough matchup. I love Kirk. He's a great player. That's going to be a tough matchup for everybody. Um, Hopkins is going to be interesting because if you ask me, Griff, if, if we're going to have a Hopkins, if one guy was going to travel with Hopkins, I'd put King on him because of the physicality, the size, the length. That's probably the best option. So hope you know we're hoping for King's return to kind of give us a little bit more depth at corner. Obviously, Preston coming back would be huge to control what Kyler does and kind of push to the inside and trap him in the pocket. So I just threw a lot at you there, Griff, but I have a lot of thoughts on what we got to do on defense. So um, just hopefully those guys come back. Preston and Kevin King seem like the most likely returns on defense, um, and those would be big for, for what we're trying to do on Thursday night. King on Hopkins just sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> it sounds oh, – I can see that going so Stylistically, badly, it, it, on paper, the stylistically, you know, what you're looking at in terms of the size, the height, the length. I feel like that's what you're looking at. I don't think Stokes would yeah. play as well, right? Stokes, I don't think matches Yeah, I mean, well. that's another thing, yeah. Stokes, it's like there's no good option. It's pick your poison there because Hopkins is going to beat up whoever we put on him. Chandon Sullivan, oh, my God. It's it's going to be bad, man. This is why I'm saying we just got to get a few turnovers, man, because they're, they're available. The Cardinals, they they put the, gr- the ball on the ground a lot, man. We've just got to steal a couple possessions, maybe an onside kick like the Lions did against the Rams because we're such heavy underdogs, man. We just got to steal a couple possessions, put some extra points on the board because – I think we're just going to have such a hard time stopping this offense. They've been so good, and it's not even like they've had an easy schedule and they've played cupcake defenses. They've played some really good defenses, man, and there's just been hardly anyone that's been able to stop them. So I don't know if this is like an eat-the-clock type of game from the offense or or just try and score as many as many points as quickly as possible, but um, we've... We've got to do as much as we can to limit the impact of the Cardinals' offense because I think it's going to have a have a really good day on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really – I said it last week. This is heavyweight versus heavyweight, uh, except the heavyweights – Green Bay's heavyweights coming in a little bit injured and a little bit overweight probably. It didn't make the weight limit. I mean, there's we're going to be banged up, and we've had, we have some issues, right? There's certainly things that we're going to have to recover from uh, and overcome, really, um, and that's the problem. Can we? Uh, missing our best receiver and our defensive coordinator. Uh, that's a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot to overcome. Uh, but we can do it. We definitely can do it. And I feel like um, it's going to take uh, a group effort and it, just using our players uh, in the best way to have success and just putting guys in position to win their one-on-ones. Um just about every coach speak you can think of just it's in the book here because we're going to need it all. We, we need it. We, this is a big game. Seven and seven and oh versus six and one. This is, we were talking about long-term ramifications, NFC number one seed. It's always on the line for these teams. You know, green Bay is always fighting for the number one seed. These other teams don't know about that, but it's when you get into a point where you have six wins in, in seven games and, and the other team has seven wins in seven games, now every game means a lot because there's only one one buy. There's only one buy. Green Bay had it last year. It's a valuable thing. You get to advance automatically, and, and every loss matters. Every win matters. Um, this is a big game because it's gonna. If Green Bay wins, it could affect the seeding. It could affect that number one seed. But if if they don't win, it puts them behind the eight ball against these teams like like the Cowboys, like the Bucks, like the Rams, and of course now the Cardinals would be the case too. Um, we don't want to get in a position where we're sitting at the three or the four seed. We want to be that one seed. We want to be that one seed and get the bye week. So, um, and of course the home field advantage in, in Lambeau. Uh, so yeah, it's a big game. Can't overstate the the high, uh, high importance of this game. And the schedule we've got coming up, it's, it would be so nice just to steal a win against in a game that most people are expecting us to lose because we got the Seahawks coming up, then the Vikings, then the, uh, I'm forgetting someone, but the Rams are in there too. Um, am I forgetting? It's going to kill. Oh, the Chiefs. We play the Chiefs right after the Cardinals and then the Seahawks, then the Vikings, then the Rams. We've got some tough games coming up, man. This is a game that everyone, every Packer fan is kind of already chalking up as an L. It'd be nice to get out of here seven and one and be still tied for that top seed in the NFC and have the tiebreaker over the Cardinals because getting the playoffs running through Lambeau is so important and the bye week is so important. 
Um, it's such a big game this Thursday night, and it sucks that we're so our backs are against the wall, and the way that they are because it it would have been such a fun game with strength versus strength and both both teams at their best health, but that's just not the case. But still, it's with AR twelve. With Matt LaFleur, he's one of the best coaches in football, the best quarterback of all time, probably. What are we thinking here, Ron? What are your score predictions? I got us winning this football game, and it sounds crazy after I predicted us to lose to the. Why well, didn't I, I? I predicted us in the end to win. I always, I'm gonna, I predict if we win, the score will be. That's pretty much what I play. But I, I do think we're going to win this football game. Like, I, I feel pretty confident, even without Devontae. And hopefully, you know, like we said, this is Monday as we're recording this. So hopefully no more um, cases, positive tests, whatnot, come out Tuesday, Wednesday, because that doesn't factor into what I'm saying here. But I do think we're going to win and this football And that outdates game. our entire podcast, so that would yep, suck. <laughs> so that would not be great. But uh, assuming that's it, which is weird. I don't get how Devontae and Joe Barry, like, I don't know how that – I don't know. Yeah, what, what are they doing about. together, man? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe nothing. Are they maybe going it was on? Just coincidental. Yeah, maybe. maybe it's just I coincidental. Know. I don't know. But I, regardless, I uh, I've got Green Bay winning this football game, thirty-one to twenty-four. That's a bit of a margin, right? But I, I feel like you know that's that's a touchdown. Um, but this is a game where Green Bay can just come out, start fast, and run the ball, like you said. Play off, play action comes off. Of that, they can get the deep passing game going. Um, their defense is very good, and they've got a lot of good players. But Aaron Rodgers is who he is, and when he's on, doesn't matter who we we're facing. Um, we've played some pretty good defenses this year and had a lot of success. You know, considering the level of defense we played against, I feel like this is nothing different. And if we can do what we want to do, if we can execute our game plan. I think we're going to win. It's all about offensive execution in this game. I think the clearest path to victory for the Packers is run the ball well, play within the scheme. Rodgers has to be as efficient and as close to perfect as he's ever been with a limited supporting cast. And we've just got to steal a couple possessions on the defensive side of the ball. And I think we have a good chance of winning this one. Thanks for listening. If you're listening this far, thank you so much. Please leave a review. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, all the places. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Today in Titletown, at Today Titletown on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers. You can follow Braun on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday. Maybe, yeah, probably next Tuesday. Say, say your prayers for the Packers. Cross your fingers because they're going to need all the help they can get. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, Go Pack Go! Thanks for listening, everybody. Go Pack Go!